Hello, I hope that you're okay. Today's sermon is called Faith in the Everyday, Taming the Tongue, looking at James chapter 3. So we've come to another area of life that James wants to warn us about because it can be so easily misused, our communication with others. Words, we use them all the time, but can't they be dangerous things? We can abuse them, we can misuse them, we can enjoy them, we can be hurt by them or uplifted by them. They can bring great joy and great misery. And there is no doubt that words are double-edged things. And we all have control over them. Or do we? James is a scary book. Why? Because it challenges us. And once we've read it, we can't plead ignorance about what it says. So what is in this particular passage today, James chapter 3 verses 1 to 12, that is going to speak to us about the way we as Christians behave? Remember, the letter is not addressed to a particular person, a church or a group of churches. It is addressed to the Jewish Christians dispersed around the Mediterranean. James was writing to them because one of the biggest problems they were facing was assimilation into the local cultures they found themselves in. And as I've said before, it's almost as if they were becoming embarrassed to be known as Christians. And as a consequence, they were letting their standards slip. James was concerned that instead of being Christians, they were becoming too much like the foreigners amongst whom they lived. So this part of James' advice is for those who speak. Now, I know he talks about teachers specifically, but aren't we all actually teachers in some way? We can all talk to others about how to whatever you want to put in the blank space. And I wonder too, if this is not just about the words we say with our mouths anymore, but also the ones we type in emails or text, put on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook and the like. Any hint we can make to someone in the classroom of life can be really helpful or absolutely devastating. We can so easily help people move on the right road or the wrong road. And how much more is this the case in the church right at this moment? Right at this moment for me, I have the potential to help or hinder your journey by the words that come out of my mouth. No pressure then. Well, actually. James starts this chapter in quite a hard way, don't you think? Teachers, leaders, especially in the church. They can encourage someone to make the wrong move with something they're dealing with by using an innocent, if a careless, word used out of place. So preacher beware. And we'll be judged more severely too. It's not really encouraging at this point, is he? Maybe I shouldn't even say any more. Well, James moves on from this to make his point that for every single one of us, the words that come out of our mouths or are typed with our fingers too, perhaps, need to be tamed. Now I'm sure you've all seen those pictures of circus chaps trying to tame tigers with whips and chairs for some reason. Always seemed completely bizarre to me, but maybe that's what it's like trying to tame our tongues, using something that the lion or the tiger can break to pieces so easily. James is very clear that this is not going to be easy, but it is very important to do. So what does he really mean then by saying we need to tame our tongues? Well, I'm going to suggest three ideas today, but I'm sure there are many more. Well, if my tongue is anything to go by anyway. So firstly, 
judging others. This is so easy, isn't it? But James starts in verse 2 reminding us that we all make many mistakes. We all stumble in many ways. Hands up those who don't make mistakes. And when we hear that phrase in our modern world ears, we tend to hear, so that's okay then, rather than what he really meant. James wouldn't agree that it's okay. He has no room for mediocrity in the Christian life. Firstly, he's thinking back to verse 1, watch out teachers. In other words, don't claim to teach wisdom of some sort that you don't practice yourself. And then secondly, actually stop making mistakes. In other words, try harder to make your life more Christ-like. And if you can do that with what you say, then, James suggests, you should be able to do that with your whole body. It's so easy, though, isn't it, to make judgments, good and bad, about people by the words we hear coming out of their mouths. Or should I say the words we think we hear? How many of us have caught half a conversation or read some badly worded minutes, been party to some of the latest gossip maybe, and have jumped to completely the wrong conclusion? You see, it's the power of those words all over again. Secondly, James talks about boasting. And I wonder if this is a problem that we don't necessarily realise we might have. Our tongues are not the biggest part of our anatomy, are they? but I am sure that they can be the cause of some of the greatest damage we can do to ourselves and one another. Verse 5, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Remember that phrase, keep up with the Jones? How many of us do this? Secretly, of course. It's the old fisherman's tale, isn't it? It was this big, well, no, maybe this big. And part of the problem here, of course, is that one small story gets blown out of all proportion and people get hurt along the way. There is no doubt that our tongues can be the source of great evil. Remember in the Gospels when James and John's mom wanted them to be able to sit either side of Jesus in heaven? Why did she want this? Well, perhaps like all mums, she just wanted to be proud. But maybe a little boast could have crept out of her mouth. My sons are going to sit... And I'm sure we've all heard something like this, even said something similar in relation to some member of our own family or another. There is a very fine line between being proud of someone and wanting to sit on the back of their glory, so to speak. My so-and-so did this, shouted to all and sundry, instead of perhaps saying it to the so-and-so themselves, I'm so proud of you. And then thirdly, there's anger. This is one of the trickiest things when it comes to words, I think. You see, we can be positively motivated by anger or negatively motivated, and each will have consequential action as well as words. Anger can take us two ways. We can be divided against one another, and our use of hateful and damaging words increases. This is like a roaring fire, James says. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And we've seen that a lot in the last months, haven't we? A few words spoken in anger can destroy a relationship that has taken years to build. Fires cause damage, damage that cannot be reversed. Even if apologies are made, there are still scars. And anyone who has been burnt will tell you those scars can take a lifetime to fade. But what an amazing experience to be uplifted by something someone says to you, especially when you're feeling down yourself, like I was yesterday. Again, those little words we choose or abuse have such power. 
So this is all very cheery then. What should we really learn from James today about our behaviour and the ways we speak? Well, I suspect that the last idea James mentions in verses 9 to 12 are the key for us today. Our tongue was made to praise God, which we can use it for, which we have already used it for today if we've sung on praise to him. But sadly, we can also use it to curse others. Don't do that, James says. Our often contradictory speech is really puzzling. I wonder if it is perhaps a picture of our true identity. We are made in God's image, but we also get stuff wrong. And the Bible often calls that stuff sin, a word which perhaps we use glibly without really recognising its reality. Sin is the stuff that messes up our relationship with God and with each other. And it's not just big things like murder, etc. The Holy Spirit is our key to this. He is the one who will help us with self-control, which is what we need to have in order to tame our tongue and therefore the words that come out of our mouths. James emphasises this with the idea of the salt water producing fresh. Drinking in the sea is not to be recommended, is it? James says we must control our tongues, use them for the right things. And I think that James is challenging the casual attitude that there is towards speech today. And if it was like that then, how much more worse now, as I suggested earlier, with text messages, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and the like, and then all the other possibilities of the internet and our ability for instant communication across the world, never mind just next door. James is certain that we need a special wisdom to be good with words. And I don't mean clever, I mean careful, considerate, uplifting rather than critical. The motivation for our speech seems to be key. If it comes from evil motives, then it will be full of bitterness, selfish ambition, earthly concerns and desires, disorder and evil, as well as wrong thoughts and ideas. But if the motivation is from God and utilises his wisdom, then there will be mercy, love for others, peace, consideration, submissions, sincerity and impartiality, righteousness. This wisdom is vital if others are are to come to know who God is. But where do we get it from? James says it is a gift from God. Not something we can learn, but definitely something we can share. So how will you use words this week? Will they be to encourage or discourage? To bring laughter or tears? Will your words, spoken or written, be a picture of who you really are? or who you're trying to become. Whichever it is, I pray that we will all know God's gift of tongue discipline to tame our tongues so that his kingdom can grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of the tongue that you have given to us. Help us to be those who use it with your wisdom so that our speech will be graceful, our speech will be uplifting, our speech would bring glory to your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.